0: Turn with me to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, we'll be looking at verses 11 through 18, those were read for us this morning, and simply entitling this sermon, The Good Shepherd, The Good Shepherd. In an age when some refuse to accept that two plus two equals four, there's quite a bit of confusion amongst us. Maybe not confusion because there's not proof or evidence, but confusion by choice. Confusion is a very serious thing that plagues our society. If someone's confused about something, they have something mixed up, jumbled together, or disordered. Mixed up jumbled together or disordered. Simple mathematic equations is not the extent of our society and the hurt that we have in our society. It's actually the conclusions that many have on who Jesus Christ is. There are many that are mixed up, jumbled up, and confused and disordered about his true identity. And it's not because the word of God isn't clear. Listen to just a few. The Jehovah's Witness believes Jesus Christ was the angelic being described in the Bible as Michael the archangel. He has only the power and nature of a created angelic being. How about the Mormon believer? Jesus became a god and reached his great state of understanding through consistent effort and continual obedience to all the gospel truth and universal laws. We could take time to look at the biblically illiterate evangelical today and their mixture of chicken soup for the soul and their diet of televangelist. There can be some wrong and confused conclusions as to who Jesus is. And this is one that we cannot walk away without being clear. And the word of God is clear. We're going to look at the good shepherd this morning in four things in our passage. The good shepherd first reveals his identity. The good shepherd reveals his identity. If you look with me again at John 10, 11, it begins, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And John chapter 6 Jesus begins what is called the great I am statements. There's seven of them throughout the gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. Here in our passage, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. These attributes, this ascription that Jesus says is not by accident. He's actually referring to his deity, that he is actually the God of the Old Testament. He is Yahweh in present. He acclaims that he is. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people, I am has sent you. Jesus Christ is I am in the flesh and he came there's no way that one could walk away from his miracles or teachings with any other assertion than the fact that he was god in flesh his deity is crucial and significant to understanding who christ is this is the whole reason the religious leaders desired for his life to be taken wasn't just the offense of the signs in his teaching, but it was the fact that he took equality with God. In John chapter 5, it says, This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling himself God, his own father, father making himself equal with God. They wanted his life because he called himself God. Therefore, the good shepherd is none other than Jesus Christ. The good shepherd is none other than Jesus Christ. And there is actually many things that we should know about the good shepherd and the rest of our passage is going to unfold that. But there's two points I want to stop for momentarily with the great I am statements. I am the good shepherd speaking to his deity. If you turn with me to Psalm chapter twenty-three, Psalm twenty-three, a beloved psalm, probably the most familiar psalm that we're, we have. In the first four verses, this was not a common, not an uncommon metaphor to refer to God. Psalm twenty-three, one through four. What a wonderful picture of God as a shepherd. Now, this isn't a distant idea for those in biblical times, but for us here in America, this is a bit odd. We're, our lives aren't interrupted daily by a shepherd and a flo- his flock coming by. But sheep was a very important thing back then. Sheep was used for sacrifices, for clothing, for monetary purposes for eating. And the vocation of a shepherd was a very highly uh, prized vocation, according to some of our patriarchs, such as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses and David were shepherds. But it's a beautiful image of what God is. He's our shepherd, our protector, our provider A title that only should be given to God and God alone. And here in our passage, we see that that is Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. But not only does it look to his deity, it looks to his identity as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. In 2 Samuel 5, 2, the people said, In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd of my people, Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. That speaks to David as a shepherd over the people. Would you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel 34. We'll look at verses 22 through 24. It'd be worth your time this evening, this afternoon, to read the full chapter. It speaks so beautifully and really relates so Well, with our passage as Jesus rebukes those hired hands, those shepherds that have deserted his sheep. But in verses 22 through 24, the Lord says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. This isn't a foreshadowing or a foretelling of David being raised from the dead, who's already been dead, but this is a prophecy and a fulfillment filled in Jesus Christ, who will be that great and Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, that shepherd over the flock of God. It's very important for us to know the identity of the Good Shepherd is Jesus Christ, the God-man. A few years ago, our church family used the New City Catechism, and there's a few questions that give us meaning and the significance of why our Redeemer must be truly God and truly man. Question 22, why must the Redeemer be truly human? That in human nature, he might, on our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. And also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. Why must the Redeemer, question 23, be truly God? That because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective. Also that he would be able to bear the righteous anger of God against sin and yet overcome death. The true identity of Jesus Christ is the God man. What a sweet title he ascribes to himself the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd cares for his sheep. In verses 11 through 13, we see, secondly, the Good Shepherd cares for his sheep. Such a wonderful description of him being the good shepherd and laying down his life. But he contrasts that with these hired hands. Says in verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. What happened in the previous chapter in John chapter 9 is Jesus heals a man that had been blind his whole life. You wouldn't think that would be such an offense But he did this on a particular day that got the religious leaders upset. He did this on a Sabbath. It actually says that after the man was healed, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They go on to bring his parents in. To ask if this is truly their son. If he has truly been blind all of his life. And fear of these religious leaders. And fear of being kicked out of the synagogue. They, they tell that he's a grown man. Ask him. He begins to say I have no idea. I know that I was blind and now I see. They don't like his tone and they kick him out. And Jesus approaches this man. Reveals himself to him. And he believes. And they The religious leaders come up to Jesus and they begin to have a conversation with him. And that's where we get into chapter 10. These religious leaders are thieves and robbers. They're hired hands. When danger comes upon the flock, they are more concerned about their own lives that they'll leave. Abandon the flock. The fleeing is the idea of pursuing one's own Safety. They're not concerned about the lives of the sheep. They're concerned about only their own lives. Why? It's because they're hired hands. They don't own the sheep. And as Jesus says, they don't care about the sheep. They don't love the sheep. Jesus, on the hand, other hand, the good shepherd, he loves the sheep so much so that he would lay down his life. That is how he cares for the sheep. Ultimately, he lays down his life. Brother Rick read in his pastoral prayer, 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus is the good shepherd that cares for his sheep enough so to lay down his life. This begs the question, why? Why must Jesus lay down his life? There's three important things that I think are necessity for us to understand and the answer to this question. Why did Jesus must lay down his life? The first is the holiness of God. Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6? The holiness of God. We'll be looking at Isaiah 6, 3. Isaiah is having a vision. He's before the throne of God. And he is observing some of the most wonderful things one's eyes could see. And he records his response and what he saw. And in verse 3, he saw the seraphim praising and declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. One of the most important attributes, of God is His holiness, one that's probably set aside more often and outweighed by His love because God is love, but His holiness is of utmost importance. His holiness, as defined by Wayne Grudem, is what separates Him from everyone. It says He is separated from sin and devoted to seeking His own honor. Another way to think or understand God's holiness is his purity. God is pure. In 1 John 1, 5, he says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God did not become pure by some form of purification, but that is His true to his character and nature. He is holy, right, and pure. And just, Jerry Packer says, when scripture calls God holy, the word signifies everything about God that sets him apart from us and makes him an object of awe, adoration, and dread to us. He is right and pure, and there is absolutely no one like him. No one like him. So therefore, whatever other attribute we apply to his name, it is not like anybody we know. His jealousy, his love, his mercy, it does not compare because he is pure and holy. Such an important truth to understand, but why did Jesus have to come and lay down his life? Second truth is, a reality That we are not holy, but we are sinners. Something that we don't naturally love to be called, but a very important truth for us to understand. Something I don't think that most of us would argue with, but we just don't like the consequences that come with this. It speaks to our rebellion. Speaks to our wickedness. God is holy and set apart and does not sin. We are unlike that. We are sinners who are impure and deserving of his wrath and his judgment and eternal fires of hell. We don't like that at first glance. But I would say we don't like that because we have yet to embrace the holiness of God. Having a right grasp of the holiness of God puts things in right perspective. Look at Isaiah's response in verse 5. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I will dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. As he sees the holiness of God, repulse because of his own sin comes upon him. You are holy, I am not. I'm a man of unclean lips. Everybody around me is unclean. That is... A right response to our state of sin. We deserve to die for the penalty of sin. We deserve to bear God's wrath against sin. We are separated by God because of our sin. And we are in bondage in our sin and to Satan. A desperate and hopeless state. Longing for some kind of hope and truth. And that's where the message Of God's love burst through. God is loving. God demonstrated His love by sending Jesus Christ. And that is the third and wonderful truth that God sent Jesus Christ to take on our sin, to be the sacrifice to cleanse us so that we can approach Him. We sang as we begin the service, What riches. Of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. He stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And that's found in Jesus Christ. The good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Christ died as a sacrifice for our sins. Christ died in order to satisfy the wrath of God. Christ died in order to bring us back into right relationship with God. And Christ died to redeem us from the bondage of sin and Satan. What a mighty work. And really, what's being thrusted before you right now, what's being shoved in your face right now, is a response to that message. Through faith and repentance. An acknowledgement that he is holy. And I am indeed a sinner. But I see his goodness. I see his love. I see and hear his mercy that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty. To pay a debt that I could never, ever in my wildest dream imagine paying back. And he paid it in full for his sheep by laying down his life. What great love and care he has for us. Jesus Christ. How are we like sheep? Well, it says in Matthew 9, Jesus, he saw a crowd and he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We're all wandering through this world. Lost sheep, straying, defenseless, helpless, constantly needing oversight, Constantly needing leading, constantly needing rescuing, constantly unclean and needing cleaning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer answers this, how are we like sheep? By saying, there were questions but no answers. Distress but no relief. Anguish of conscience but no deliverance. Tears but no consolation. Sin but no forgiveness. And can I tell you this morning, the good shepherd has forgiveness. He has answers and he can bring comfort like no other because he cares for you. Come to him this morning. Believer, your love for Christ should only be growing. The wonderful truth that he cares for you should ignite your heart into worship and praise. Last week, we looked at a passage of Mary and her anointment of Jesus with her valuable and expensive perfume we see the the rebuke and the criticism of Judas but we see that Jesus does not let that stand he comes to the aid of his sheep he protects and cares and provides for his own what a wonderful truth to know God cares for you the good shepherd cares for you today whatever your circumstances it can be Lowest of lows. It can be financial. It can be health. It can be turmoil within your family. turmoil at the workplace. Whatever your circumstances. However low you might be. The good shepherd cares for you. And loves you. And he's always there for you. Run to him this morning. The good shepherd also knows his sheep. John 10, 14 and 16 through 16 shows this. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What a wonderful thing. The good shepherd knows his sheep. This isn't know like facts about them. Like he does know facts about you. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. For some of you, that's easier than others. He knows your fears. He knows your issues at hand. He knows your circumstances. He knows your, your, your struggles, and, and he cares for you. It speaks to a mutual relationship, not just facts, but it's a familiarity. He loves you, and he knows you, and you know him. He illustrates this by the relationship between the Father and Son. Not that we'll ever reach that perfect relationship between the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, or even here, God the Father and God the Son. We'll never reach that, but it's set before us as intimacy and deep, deep love for one another. What a wonderful picture that we have set before us. And Jesus' earthly ministry and his earthly life and his relationship with his Father was truly fulfilled in his love and desire for the will of the Father and obedience. So much so that that was his food. At one point, his disciples came and said, hey, eat. He says, I don't need to eat. They begin to look amongst one another. Did someone feed them while we feed them while we weren't looking? What's going on? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The father and son's relationship was sweet and intimate, and he loved to do the will of his father. We love to do the will of the good shepherd as he leads us down this path, we follow in obedience. As he corrects us and says, no, not that way. We redirect, knowing that this is love and discipline that we need. We follow the good shepherd. Sheep know their shepherd. They know him as friend, as brother. It's the good shepherd who ministers to their souls. Another way that he demonstrates the fact that he knows his flock is. he says, I have others that are not of this fold. This really speaks of two things, really. This speaks of the Gentiles outside of the Jews. Praise God that his message went beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. And this goes beyond generation. Beyond just this generation, the message keeps on going. He has other that he's bringing in. This is you and me. In this passage, we are the sheep from another fold that he's going to bring in to be one flock. And he calls to us and we hear and know his voice. And we go wherever he leads. And researching and, and studying this passage this past week, I came across several that did research on sheep and still today many shepherds in different parts of the world where where there are flocks there is a common uh, habit amongst them to name their sheep. One commentator had the opportunity to go to Greece and as he was out in the countryside he saw a shepherd and he he asked him that question hey do you really name your sheep? He says yes I do and he calls Uh, to one of his sheep in in the flock, and the sheep turns around in joy, almost like a smile on his face as he approaches his shepherd. What a wonderful picture of his. He calls us from darkness to light. His sheep listen to his voice. We obey because he knows us, and we know him as the good shepherd. Jesus knows his sheep. My hope and prayer is that you're not deceived this morning. Not deceived in thinking you're a sheep when you're actually a goat. Jesus knows his sheep. And his sheep know him. A.W. Pink comments on this. Whoever would have concluded that Lot was a righteous man, had not the New Testament told us so? Who would have thought he was a sheep? He continues, And so who would have imagined that Judas was a devil when Christ sent him forth as one of the twelve? There are some words in Scripture that should bring much fear and trembling. And one of those passages and verses comes from Matthew chapter 7. These are Jesus' words. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We might be deceived. We might have deceived others, but Jesus isn't. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. I'd hope that that's not you this morning. Lastly, the good shepherd has authority over his life. Verses 17 and 18, really the climax of our passage, as he speaks about the love that the Father has for him because he lays down his life and he takes it up again. Resurrection. Is what it's speaking to. The purpose of our celebration this morning. And actually our celebration every day. Knowing that we have a risen shepherd. The good shepherd has authority over his life. I think it's a beautiful thing here in our passage though. That he says he gives his life up on his own accord. Jesus gave his life up on his own accord. Going back to his care and love. Jesus Loves you. Such a simple statement. That brings so much comfort to even the most broken heart and soul. Maybe one of the first songs that you probably learned. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. What a wonderful fact. He loves you. And therefore, he gave his life. Of his own accord. He was not forced into this. It wasn't the betrayal of Judas that, that, that knocked everything down and messed up the plan. It wasn't the, the lies and the accusation of the chief priest. It wasn't the power of Pilate to bring him to the cross. He gave it of his own accord. If you're a sheep for you for you he laid down his life demonstrating his love for his sheep but jesus gave his life so that he could take it up again the resurrection here's our hope right here and the resurrection of jesus christ turn with me to 1 corinthians chapter 15 1 corinthians 15 Verses 12 through 19. Our hope as believers in Jesus Christ is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If the resurrection did not happen, we are foolish people. Foolish people. Paul captures this in these verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. Rumors were spreading that the resurrection... the rising from the dead was false. He says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If it ended on Friday, we have no hope. But Sunday came, and now we have a resurrected good shepherd. The resurrection of Jesus Christ ensures our regeneration, new birth. Dead in your sins and trespasses, Ephesians 1. A heart of stone, Ezekiel 36. Now given a heart of flesh. And be made alive. New birth. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. To a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our justification is ensured by his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection brought, brought us from guilty to righteous, Romans 4.25, who has was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Being made right before a holy God was purchased on the cross and sealed on Sunday morning through his resurrection. His resurrection gives us life. This wasn't a resurrection like what happened in John 11, like Lazarus. This is a new kind of resurrection. This is why it's called the first fruits in 1 Corinthians 15. This is a new human body that wouldn't grow old and die. This is new human life. It was a body that was made perfect, no longer subject to weakness, to aging or death, but able to live eternally. That is the new resurrected life that Jesus has that you in Christ Jesus are hoping And longing for. Knowing this this isn't it. There are some hired hands. Thieves and robbers that say live your best life now. That is false. One pastor commented on that. If you are outside of Christ or in context of our passage, if you're not a sheep, yeah, this is your best life now. But if you're in Jesus Christ and He is your good shepherd, this isn't the best. Praise God. Your bodies are failing, your mind is fading, you will constantly be disappointed. Pleasures come and pleasures go. But Jesus Christ has made life possible. Going back another verse in John 10. He has made it so we can have an abundant life. That isn't fully comprehended here. That is us waiting an eternal hope with Christ Jesus. The good shepherd has authority over his life to lay it down and to take it up again. Our shepherd was not overcome by temptation but put sin to death. Our shepherd was not overcome by Satan, but overthrew Satan. Our shepherd was not thrown, uh, held down by death, but conquered death and arose from the grave victoriously. We sing, up from the grave he arose with a mighty trumpet over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. As the sheep this morning, we are victorious with him. That's our good shepherd. We have hope. Though life does not bring us joy, though life often is difficult we have a better hope and our hope is following the steps of our good shepherd one day if you're a sheep this morning and Jesus is indeed your good shepherd don't wander away don't stay from his love or stray from his love When you are hungry, he leads you to green pastures. When you are thirsty, he leads you to eternal water. When you are unable to know which path to take, he will direct you. When you are in danger, he will not flee but protect you. When you are afraid, he will comfort you. It's Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Do you know him today? The call is faith and repentance and live a life unto his glory. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for providing the good shepherd, your son, Jesus Christ, who bore the sins that we could not handle, the wrath that we could not stand under, and paid the penalty for death and sin on the cross. But, Father, it doesn't end on Friday. We have a victorious and risen Savior. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who's arisen from the grave. Lord, I pray for the hurting heart, the sheep that has wandered, that's straying right now. I pray that you would bring them back in, that they would know that they have a good shepherd. that's kind and gentle and lowly, and he is good. I pray for the one that is yet to call upon your name. Lord, I pray that you would save them today. We love you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs)